Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I'm Molly Nelson, host of the podcast, here with Rochelle Smith. She is the producer of this podcast, and with us today is Haley Gutchenrider. Haley is an investment advisor representative. So a little planning can go a long way when life takes unexpected turns. So in this episode of Retiring Today, we're going to discuss some of the items on a spousal succession plan checklist. This checklist is in the show notes. So you'll find a link there. You can download the checklist and go through it yourself. But here today to take us through it is Haley Gutchenrider. And Haley, you put this list together in preparation for one of the educational things that we do here at Merkle Retirement Planning, where you sat down and you talked to couples about this. Why is it so important that we've put a lot of time and resources into putting together this spousal succession checklist? And I'm not going to say that's a, that's a mouthful to say. <laughs> I tell you what, I might just call it this checklist uh, moving forward, but why was it so important to, to, to put together this checklist? Well, this checklist is so important because this is one of the components of our retirement plan, our legacy plan. And that also applies to your spouses. And although we don't like to think of our spouse passing away, that is the inevitable. So when we're talking to families, you know, there's a 50, 50 chance that one of them will pass. And what does that look like? And I've helped families walk them through this journey multiple times. And I have seen what it looks like when you don't have things in order. And I have seen what it looks like when you do have a checklist. And so it's just so important because it really does take the ease and the stress and the anxiety off of your shoulders when you're going through one of the most traumatic, life-changing events of your life. Yeah, this hits really close to home for you. Not just only the families uh, and individuals that we worked with that I know you you feel close to and sit down with meetings in and have these hard conversations. It, it hits even in closer in your personal life. It does. And I've never personally lost a spouse, but when I was six years old, I lost my dad. And so I actually watched my mom go through this. And although I was six, I didn't really know what I was seeing or know what I was watching and she didn't make it known. But as I got older and I was able to understand a lot more of these concepts, my mom told me how struggling or how difficult it was because in my dad's legacy, nothing went according to his wishes. And I won't get into the details of that, but as a single parent of three, a school teacher, it was really difficult for my mom because Nothing went according to his wishes. And with the proper planning and the proper communication in place, things could have been much more different for my mom. Yeah, and that's what we want to help you do today. We want to help you at least start thinking about some of the conversations you could have now with your spouse. You could start talking about both of your wishes now. And again, we understand, the three of us in here are married. We we understand that these aren't fun conversations. So, you know, we know that this isn't the kind of thing you want to just maybe talk about on a whim. It's got to be the right timing and things. But we also know because of our experience and because of the experience of our colleagues out here at Merkel Retirement Planning, that if you have the conversation now, it makes it a lot easier on the surviving spouse. And really, Haley, that's what people tell you and Lauren and Sean and Clint all the time is that they just want to make sure their spouse is taken care of when they're mm-hmm. gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we can work some, or if we can work through some of these things that you can expect after the death of your spouse now, then the plans that you make now will aid you during that most difficult time in your life. Because it is not the thing that you're thinking the most of, but these decisions, there's about a hundred different decisions that you have to make when your spouse passes away. And I can guarantee you that is the last thing you want to do. 
So we put together a checklist and, and Haley, you were the lead on putting together this checklist. And what this checklist does is it follows the components that we use in every retirement plan. So we have six components that we kind of apply to each customized retirement plan. And first, just real quick, Haley, go through the six components, then we'll break it down on how we applied each of these components to a spousal succession plan. Sure. So we have these six components and really let's start with the lifestyle component, because that's the reason why you have a retirement plan is to do the things that you want to do in your lifestyle during your retirement phase of life. And then we have the income plan. We have the investment plan, the tax plan, healthcare plan and legacy plan. And believe it or not, all of those things work in conjunction with each other. What you do with your investment plan and your income plan is going to affect your legacy and your tax plan. So the decisions we make in one arena often impact the other decisions we make in this other arena. So it's important to look at your entire plan as a holistic approach. Um, and it's important to look at the succession plan that includes every part or every component of our overall retirement plan. And you might be listening, you might be saying, well, I don't have that kind of a plan. I don't have those six components applied to my retirement years. Well, maybe you have some questions about how to even get started on that part. A great resource is a 15-minute complimentary checkup call. So you can go to MerkleRetire.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E, Retire.com. And you can schedule a 15-minute call. And maybe that's a good time to start talking about the retirement plan itself. Or you can ask some questions about the succession, succession piece that we're talking about today. So we're going to start going through the checklist. And just a reminder, again, if you want to download this checklist, print it, look at it on your phone, look at it on your laptop top. The link is in the show notes. So the first piece that we apply to the spousal succession plan that we also apply to the retirement plan is the lifestyle. So there's some things you've got to do with your lifestyle and let, let's not, you know, gloss over the word lifestyle, realizing that when you lose a spouse, that is a complete disruption of your lifestyle, mm -hmm. but we're applying it to kind of how we apply it to the retirement plans that we help families and individuals build. Yeah. So I would say the first thing, and this is what we always tell our families as we are going through the retirement plan is we say, compile a list of your emergency contacts. So who are the people that you want to notify first when your spouse passes away? This could be friends, this could be family, and you can actually often delegate this to somebody else. So once you notify your family, they can then go through and notify your friends because you probably don't want to have that conversation over and over and over again. And this also is going to include your professional network. So do you work with a CPA? Do you work with an attorney? And do you work with a financial advisor? If so, those need to be on your emergency contact list because it's often that there is some tax planning, investment planning, and some maybe trust documents or estate planning documents that are going to be in place that you need to have a conversation with. And do you find too, when you work with couples, Haley, that uh, it, it's pretty common for them, maybe one spouse to know some more of this than the other. Like, you know, they set up the will maybe 30 years ago when the kids mm -hmm. were born and then you forget the attorney's names, or maybe you haven't contacted them in a long, in a long time, or maybe only one spouse has been the point person mm -hmm. having this written down again, while you're still both still alive is really valuable for a lot of reasons. Absolutely. That is often the case is that there's a primary, primary point person on this. And then when they pass away, the other spouse doesn't know where to go. So we also say, make sure they know where these documents are located. Make sure they know who to contact in this event. Otherwise, all the planning that you have done 
doesn't necessarily successfully or easily get passed on to if they don't even know who the person is that they need to call or reach out to. Yeah. And the best time I would say to get this written down is when you're not under the duress of the emotional, uh, you know, feelings of the spouse being lost. So now would be a good time to talk to your spouse about, wait, who was that again that set up our will? What was that attorney's Mm -hmm. name? You know, Mm -hmm. it was so many years ago, at least write that down somewhere. So let's say in, if you're, if you're 50 right now or 55, well, when you're 85, then it's written down again too. You know, you, you put it together yeah. when you could both think about it and c- have a clear conversation about that as well. So a lot of stuff you could even do right now. Again, hopefully for most people, it's a, it's a 20 or a 30 year retirement. It's a full mm-hmm. retirement. So get that stuff, you know, out of the way sooner rather than later. Yeah. And often one thing that people do also like to get out of the way sooner rather than later is making funeral arrangements because you do not want to basically you know, put your spouse in a position where they have to just guess what your wishes are. So you can take the guesswork out of it by making funeral arrangements earlier. Um, one benefit to this is that you also lock in those prices of those funeral arrangement arrangements of what they are today versus what they could be, you know, 10, 20, 30 down or 30 years down the road. And also there is so many questions that a funeral consists of, you know, do you want flowers? Do you want to be buried? Do you want to be cremated? I mean, the list goes on and on. It's so great to take the guesswork out of it. That way, loved ones don't get in emotional arguments over what it is that you wanted. Sure, the kids think, oh, dad would have really wanted X, Y, Z. And the wife, who maybe is the second wife, which is very common, who isn't the mother of the kids, really thinks that he wanted, you know, this color of casket or whatever. You know, again, you don't, the people that are left to cherish your memories can, can focus on cherishing your memories, not deciding what color your casket should be. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something I personally went through with my dad's funeral is my, my brothers wanted to do something and there, there was a blended family involved and it just got, it, there was a lot of arguments that happened. And if it would have just been pre-planned, which granted my dad was younger. Um, so we weren't thinking about those things, but I can tell you that if we can take the guesswork out of it and you say and state exactly what it is that you want to happen, then it definitely eliminates any future conflicts down the road. And people might be surprised to learn how many documents the funeral home will need. Haley, I was looking at the list of of things a funeral home will likely ask for. And um, some of this stuff, again, depending on how long you've been married or how well you know the person. I mean, you might not know all of this information about your spouse if it's not readily accessible somewhere. Yeah. And one of those documents is the certified death certificate. And that actually requires a lot of questions that isn't necessarily known, you know, off the top of your head. And when that person's gone, it's hard to find out the answer to those questions. So oftentimes we tell our families, hey, print off a death certificate and just pre-fill it out how it would be if in the event that you passed away. That way, your spouse knows all the information that's supposed to go on that death certificate. It makes it that much easier and it's ready to basically submit because you do need that death certificate for many events. So to really change any of your property titles or to do anything after somebody passes away, a death certificate is commonly required. So we tell people, ask for multiple copies of certified death certificate because it is likely that you're going to need more than one and make sure that it's it's in a place that that information is readily, readily available because nothing can really start happening or turning over or switching hands until that death certificate is provided. Yeah, I'm looking at this list and I don't know my husband's social security number mm-hmm. and I know the town that he was born in, but I'm not positive that town had a hospital. So I don't know how technical some of this stuff is, but I don't know yeah. if he had to go to a bigger city because it's, it's in Wisconsin. He was born... I know Elkhorn's the town, but I don't know if the hospital was technically in Elkhorn. Like, you know, some of those little things I don't 
Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know the answers to. Or his mother's maiden name. I mean, do we know that? I mean, it's it's you just never know. So just have it pre-filled out. Again, takes a lot of the guesswork and the research out of it. And it's a document that is so utilized during this event that it's just easier to have one prepared. Haley, is it better to contact the professional network once you have the death certificate? Or can you contact them, letting them know that they passed away? Yes, I think it's best to contact the professional network right away, even if you don't have the death certificate. Now, things may not be able to go along accordingly until we get the death certificate, but there are things on the professional network side that they can start to prepare so that when we have that death certificate, we are ready to take action. Okay. And you're talking about what the reading of the will and some of those things that they could at least get ready for or know is coming yeah. uh, on your notification. Absolutely. From a financial advisor standpoint, there's a lot of paperwork and a lot of claims that will have to be made to pretty much switch ownership. And so we can get the paperwork prepared without the death certificate, but we can't submit it until we have the death certificate. And for an attorney, there's a lot of legal jargon in those documents. And so they can start kind of looking through those documents. I don't know if you've ever read a trust document, but it's not, no, can't say, <laughs> have you read a trust? No, nope, sure I haven't. can't say that I have. It's like reading the Webster dictionary, just a lot of big legal jargon <laughs> sure. terms. It's 30 pages or so long. And the attorney can start to read that and see what the wishes are and start to get things in order. And then once we have the death certificate, we can start to actually take action. The next item on the checklist has to do with the income portion of, of course, we have that in our retirement plans, but we also have that for the succession plan. What happens there? Yeah. So for the income portion, we largely talk about social security. What's on our, our checklist for social security when a spouse passes away. And the reason why is social security can account for anywhere between 25 to 35% of your income in retirement. So it's important to know your options when your spouse passed away, because you could be entitled to survivorship. Social Security benefits, or you can be entitled to a lump sum death benefit from Social Security as well. So what we say is let's contact Social Security because, you know, your filing options could look different now that your spouse has passed away. Either they had the bigger benefit and you had a smaller benefit and now you're entitled to their larger benefit. Or if you guys have not yet started claiming Social Security, you have survivorship options where you could delay your survivorship benefit, continue to kind of let that benefit grow and then switch over later. So there's up to 81 different options for a married couple when it comes to Social Security. Those options become much more complex when somebody passes away. And depending on your circumstance, that's going to look different for everybody. So, you know, it's important to, you know, let acknowledge that somebody passed away, but let's look at what options you have according to your own circumstances. I'm even thinking about your spouse's Social Security payment that they receive are, is it on you to notify them that that spouse has passed so that they can stop sending you your monthly benefit? Yeah, so it's a little difficult there. If they do continue to send out that benefit, you are actually obligated to pay it back to Social Security. So if they get wind that your spouse has passed and they already sent out a Social Security check, you do have to pay that back. Normally, Social Security is actually contacted through the funeral director. So... When you go through your funeral arrangements, the director actually submits that death certificate to Social Security, and they are notified. So often that, that lump sum death benefit does go out automatically. But what doesn't happen automatically is your survivorship options. And so that's where it's important. And you cannot file for that online. So it's important to call Social Security, 
those options get very complex. So definitely have that call facilitated with a retirement planner and let's find out what your options are. Yeah. They can kind of help you walk through it. Cause again, you've done this several times. You've heard about the options. You can help people make the best decision for them. You're, you're probably only going to do this once in your life. If you're the person who is, is you know, obviously going through the death of a spouse. Yeah. And again, according to, you know, going back to my personal situation, my mom did not realize that she was entitled to my dad's social security benefits because again, he was 40. So he wasn't collecting social security and your first age of eligibility is normally age 62. So she had no idea that she would be entitled to benefits now because she had three kids under the age of 17. And so that's just one thing that she had no idea and you don't know until you do know. Um, but those social security checks that came in really helped my mom and aided my mom in supporting her, her three young children. And she had no idea that she was entitled to those. Next up on the checklist is taxes, meeting with your uh, accountant and tax professional. Yes. So this is a huge item that can offer a lot of value because one significant change that happens when your spouse passes away is your tax status changes. Traditionally, we were used to married filing jointly tax rates, which are much more appealing than the filing rates. So in the year that you're sing filing single rates, yes, the yeah. filing single rates. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. Thank no, you, that's a big distinguisher because it is. Yeah, you you get a good discount if you're married. Absolutely, you can basically you know you get double the income and be taxed at a way more appealing rate if you're married filing jointly than versus married filing single. So in the year that your spouse passes away, that is typically the last year that you will have those married filing joint brackets available to you. So what tax planning strategies can we implement to make sure that we're filling up those income brackets to get the more appealing tax rate now in this year? Because starting next year, you can receive a lot less income and still be taxed at higher rates with those married filing, uh, with those single file rates. Next piece of the Merkel plan that we apply to each retirement plan is an investment plan. Also, there are some investment decisions when it comes to spousal succession. There is. And that is a huge, you know, that's a huge value that we aid in when we're helping our families when their significant other passes away. There, it's probably the most triggering and the most uh, hardship because there's so much paperwork that's involved in order to switch the accounts into your name. People don't realize how much paperwork that is. We come prepared with all of it. So you don't have to remember this, but basically you have to change the ownership on all the accounts. So um, if we had Mary and Joe and Joe passed away, all of Joe's accounts, if they have Mary listed as the primary beneficiary, all those need to change ownership to Mary. That requires a lot of paperwork. It requires the death claim or the death certificate because there needs to be proof of death. Um, and it could, there could be some tax implications depending on what types of accounts Joe owns. So it's important to work with a financial advisor to help shift all of that into the right owner's name. And then let's say that, you know, both of you are passed away. So we had a husband and wife, both of them are gone. And now the legacy goes to their children. Well, that's something that we help Aiden. We contact your children and the tax ramifications and the change of ownership looks much different when it goes down the line to your children versus the spouse. Because of the SECURE Act, it changed those uh, IRA rules with the RMDs. So now we have a lot more to think about. Um, most people don't know the tax status of certain accounts and they don't know the ramifications of making certain decisions. That is something that we will walk each child through so that they can make that decision the most confidently that they can. Yeah. And I got to think having somebody help me with some of those things would be so great because yes, I understand that it's Im important to get title ownership on 
you know, Cole's IRA. And then I probably have to name some beneficiaries. I understand that that's all important. And I understand that trying to pay the least I can in taxes is important. But again, if you're grieving, your first thought isn't, oh no, I'm in a higher tax bracket now, or I'm in a worse tax situation. It's, it's not a thought you're, you're having, but your financial professional, your retirement planner is having it for you. Yeah. That's great to have somebody like that in your corner. Definitely. We're thinking about the things that you're probably not thinking about, and we're going to lay out all the information for you so that you can make that decision the most confidently, because a lot of people don't want to make decisions too, when they're going through this emotional turmoil, you know, they say, don't make big decisions when you're in this emotional state of mind, because you don't want to make irrational decisions. And so we lay it all out there for you. We talk about the pros and cons of each decision. And then that way you can move forward, making that decision much more confidently. Um, And then another thing is, you know, if you are working with a financial advisor, of course, it's important to call them, but it is likely that your spouse could have had a 401k at an employer if they were still working. So you would also want to contact the employer, talk to the HR department, see if there's any type of investment accounts that are still open with that employer, because we can also help facilitate that rollover or transfer of ownership into your name. Because again, there's a lot of paperwork you have to fill out. There's a lot of nuances that you may not understand. It's important to have all the right information when you're rolling that ownership into your name. Yeah, it might be worth asking if there's a work-issued life insurance policy as well, right? Yeah, definitely. There's actually a lot of times where life insurance policies are uh, with the employer, and that could be ten thousand, fifty thousand of tax-free death benefit that you wouldn't otherwise, or that you wouldn't have known that you could have claimed if you did not contact the employer to let them know. The next component of every Merkle plan and every succession plan is what to do with healthcare coverage. Yeah. So with healthcare coverage, you want to notify all insurance companies, and that would actually include life insurance and healthcare insurance. So first we'll go with life insurance. Life insurance, of course, those are tax-free benefits. If your spouse held life insurance, contact them. There's typically death claim forms to fill out. We help with that too. So even though we may not been the advisor on that policy, we still help with filing the death claims for life insurance and then deciding what investment options to do with that. But healthcare coverage, it works a little bit differently depending on if you're on Medicare or if you have employer coverage. So if you're on Medicare, that is individual coverage through the program. So there's really no changes that you have to make. They're just pretty much going to stop the coverage. And they know that because they're notified through Social Security. With the employer coverage, that could look a little bit different. If your spouse was the one who held the employer coverage and they passed away, well, then we have to, we may have to look at options about COBRA or if you are Medicare age, moving over to Medicare. And we do have a healthcare specialist, Anna Marie, who is on staff who can help make those decisions. And our next component is legacy. And of course, all of what we're talking today about is kind of your legacy, but we do drill it down into that legacy component. And there's a few items in the checklist. Yeah. And I think when we talk about legacy in this context, we're talking about attorneys, the people who drafted your estate planning documents, if you worked with an attorney. So the important thing is contact them because there are several legal and financial considerations to make once one has passed. And if you have estate planning documents, again, there's a lot of financial jargon in there, a lot of legal jargon in there. And it's important to sit down with the attorney and figure out what your role is. Are you the executor of the state? If so, what does that mean? So, or are you a beneficiary of the estate? And if so, what does that look like? So it's important to understand your role in those estate planning documents. And often many of us don't even know that we're part of somebody's estate plan. So as the spouse, you would be the one who probably primarily knows. So 
contact the attorney and then see what those wishes were and then who needs to be in that meeting. I mean, you didn't go there, Haley, but you know from what you've, you know, as long as you've been doing this, that there are surprises, some surprises in wills. I mean, good and bad, right? People, yeah. uh, but it's better to know because that will is going to be executed. It's it's a legally binding document. Whether you like what's in there or you don't, it's, it's better you know than not know. Absolutely. It's definitely better to know than not know. And it's important to understand what the will actually says. And I can tell you it is not as simply put out on paper as it is that what an attorney could explain to you. And under the other category in the checklist, there's there's a few things. I think we'll just go over one of them right now. I was surprised to see this one, Haley. It had to do with contacting the three major credit bureaus. I'm really curious. So often there actually are automatically contacted if you make certain changes to some of your accounts. So like if you change ownership on a credit card, you know, the credit bureaus actually may be notified, but I would say be proactive. So contact all three major credit bureaus. And here's why. It's because of fraud. So what they will do is they actually put basically a red flag on your deceased spouse's credit. And that way nobody can impersonate them because that is something that we find often happening much more these days is people will basically take a deceased person's social security number and there are fraudulent charges on that. And so what they do is they put a red flag there. And if somebody tries to pretend that they're that identity, there's a big red flag on those credit bureau reports. And just another tidbit on this miscellaneous part of the checklist is check with the Veterans Administration, because if your spouse served in the military, you could be eligible for veterans benefits, and that could be health care or maybe a pension or whatever. So just make sure you contact them, too, because they're going to know if you're still eligible for the benefits that they were receiving, health care, things like that. Okay, this has all been really great information, Haley, and a really important part of planning for your retirement. So the checklist, the link is inside of our show notes, and you might have some questions. Maybe we talked about something you completely understood. Maybe that you want more information. Maybe we didn't talk about something you've been thinking about. Well, you can talk directly with a retirement planner about this or any of the components of a retirement plan by scheduling a 15-minute complimentary retirement checkup call. You can go to MerkleRetire.com. That's M. M-E-R-K-L-E-Retire.com and schedule your checkup call today. We'll continue talking about all of the aspects of retirement on this podcast. It's Retiring Today, and we thank you for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC.